Sometimes, when you're floating through life, you come across someone or something that pulls your attention and you just can't look away even when you feel like you should. That's me and pimple popping videos. I hate them. They make me have a visceral reaction but I just can't look away. For some people, it might be horror movies. Today's character, a real life riveting personality, drew me in very quickly. He's a man that I admire in many ways, but in many ways I really don't like him. He's a wealthy, colorful, scandalous, notorious, and some might say crazed expatriate. His story involves sex, drugs, murder, computer programming, and Bitcoin. Yes, you heard that right. This man's been accused of being a genius, a murderer, a captain of internet technology, a rapist, and probably most prevalently and most enduring, a master manipulator. Oh, and let's not forget, a murderer. Welcome to Twisted Travel and True Crime. I'm your host, Sandy. Welcome aboard. Yes, you heard that right. I do live on a boat. Living on a boat presents some challenges to podcasting, and one of those, most prevalently, is the weather. And lately, we've been in anchorages that are very rolly, and very loud. Today, luckily, we've found a calmer anchorage. It's a little bit more protected from the elements, and so hopefully you will not hear too much noise. Just a couple of boatkeeping notes. I'd like to thank Tammy S. for giving me the idea for last episode. I meant to thank her on the last one, but my kids started to wake up right as I was finishing up the episode, and I ran out of time because they're noisy little stinkers. But thank you so much, Tammy, for giving me the recommendation on the story and also for hosting us in Puerto Rico. We had a wonderful time and truly appreciate your kindness. And to all Twisted listeners, thank you so much for listening. The most interesting thing about today's character is that almost all of you have heard his name before, but probably not his story. His name is John McAfee inventor of the McAfee antivirus software. Most of you have his software programs on your computer. You've seen the annoying pop-ups that come up every now and then asking if you want to renew or upgrade. John McAfee was born in England in 1945 when his father was stationed there with the U.S. Army. His family moved to Virginia when he was still very young. At the age of 15, an impressionable young Johnny was faced with a very dark side of life. John's father was a violent alcoholic who was known to take his anxieties and depression out on his wife and son. He completed suicide. Perhaps this sad moment was why John McAfee would choose to grab life by the horns and do whatever it took to make himself happy. His father's suicide was most certainly the reason John turned to alcohol for comfort and escape at a very young age. Despite the drinking, John would eventually graduate from Roanoke College with a bachelor's degree in mathematics. He would go on to study for a PhD in Louisiana, but was kicked out for sleeping with an undergraduate student. She later became his first wife. This was in the 70s, so I'm a bit surprised he was kicked out just for that. Perhaps there's more to the story. After college, he drifted from job to job. He picked up coding along the way and eventually developed a system for routing trains with Missouri Pacific Railroad. With a steady income from the railroad, he was able to supply himself with a steady supply of LSD 
and other hallucinogens, which he often took while at work. There he was, high as a kite, planning train routing. He tells the story of one day accidentally overdosing on DMT, and he began to hallucinate very badly. Train schedules were popping out of the computer, and he couldn't read them or understand them. People were talking to him, and he couldn't comprehend what they were saying. He ran out of the door into the city of St. Louis, where eventually he hid behind a trash can, ranting and raving, yelling at passers-by. His hallucinations were so intense that sometimes he believes his whole life since that day has been one giant trip, and perhaps he will wake up once again behind that trash can. He never went back to work for the railroad. In the early 70s, he could be found working in Silicon Valley, bouncing from job to job and trying every drug and every alcohol he could get his hands on. He became divorced for the first time. He worked a short time for NASA's Institute for Space Studies. Shortly after that, he met and married his second wife, Judy. Five years later, in the early 80s, his daily routine included cocaine, quaaludes, and a bottle of scotch. His wife Judy left him as she was unable to deal with his addictions. He soon realized that his life was at a low point, and he found himself contemplating suicide. Luckily, he found a therapist and found his way to AA to get sober. Only three years later, in 1986, McAfee came across the world's first PC-oriented virus. He was convinced the virus could cause a lot of damage and would spread very quickly. McAfee was determined to figure out how to stop it. He started McAfee Associates from his own home and began developing software to combat these new viruses. He said he stayed up day and night until he figured out how the virus worked and figured out what to do about it. He became very successful in his field and even more impressive were his skills at marketing and fear-mongering. He prophesied the crash of millions of computers due to these viruses. He was in the top of his field and learned quickly that if you speak confidently, you can sell almost anything. He told people that the threats of these viruses could destroy businesses, people's lives, incomes, and most importantly, drop the almighty profit margin. Then, like a knight in shining armor, he would offer his free software, which would come and solve any current issues and prevent further infections. Other companies that offered the same product were charging $50 to $100, but McAfee only charged for technical support and upgrades. This strategy blew away the competition and changed the software industry forever. He was so successful selling the threats and fear that McAfee & Associates was making nearly $5 million a year, and his software was being used by some of the biggest companies in the United States. Again, this was in the 80s, so in today's money, it would be a lot closer to $16 million per year in today's dollars. He went on to author a book which detailed some of his concerns about dangers faced by corporate and individual computer users. In 1992, a second virus called Michelangelo appeared on the scene. Once again, McAfee warned millions that this virus was capable of infecting every computer around the world. The sales of his software soared and McAfee Associates went public. The virus did not live up to the height that John McAfee sold, but it did make him very rich. In 1994, he left the company, retiring, and two years later sold his share for about $100 million. This would be about $320 million today. If McAfee had held on to his shares until 2010, 
Intel would have bought McAfee Antivirus for $7.7 billion, and his stake in the corporation would have made him into a multi-billionaire overnight. I think that 1994, the same year that McAfee became stinking rich, my parents purchased a home computer and got access to the internet. Even then, I was behind the times. Perhaps, if I'd become a computer nerd, and I say that with admiration, I'd be able to make a living while living on my boat. These days, many of the cruisers who work while living aboard do indeed work in the IT industry. The late 90s seemed like a fairly happy time in McAfee's life. He started several small business ventures, lectured at Stanford, and founded a yoga retreat in his Colorado home. During this time, he wrote books about spirituality and donated computers to schools. He, like most of us, went on a bit of a shopping spree. He purchased a five-acre oceanfront mansion in Hawaii, a 10-person Cessna private jet, a 153-acre ranch in New Mexico, which contained a 35-person theater, tons of artwork, and dozens of luxury cars. He also poured $25 million of cash into building a 10,000-square-foot, 280-acre estate in Colorado, which would be his primary home base. He also chose to diversify his portfolio away from real estate and purchased millions of dollars' worth of Lehman's Brothers bonds. It seemed he was thoroughly enjoying his retirement. He was hit hard when, in 2008, the markets crashed. McAfee's fortune crashed. Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, and John McAfee, who was once worth over $100 million, was now worth only $4 million. He was forced to sell many of his properties, and in 2009 he relocated to Belize, where his $4 million would go a lot further. He was 63 years old and looked forward to fishing, diving, sailing, and enjoying his old age. He purchased a waterfront bungalow and settled in, but retirement didn't last long. While there, he experimented with beginning a cigar-making business, a coffee distribution company, and enjoyed a fairly luxurious lifestyle. It wasn't long before he met an American microbiologist named Allison Adenenzio. She had graduated from Harvard and was studying local biology in order to find medicinal properties of some of the local plants. He quickly took a shine to this project and began a pharmaceutical company called Coromax. The hope was that Coromax would be able to develop a new class of antibiotics based on Allison's research. McAfee funded and promoted the company across the world, but his life there in Belize was becoming quite strange. Between promotions of Coromax, he spent time enjoying his home in Belize, and he spent a lot of time online posting on drug message boards that he loved taking drugs, especially bath salts. He said, quote, I'm a huge fan of MDPV. I think it's the finest drug ever conceived, not just for the indescribable hypersexuality, but also for the smooth euphoria and mild come down. He also spent a lot of time with Allison. She said she didn't have a place to live and that she was told she had to live with McAfee, which she felt was weird. That part of the story just doesn't make sense to me. Surely she had a place to live before he got there, and he had a huge estate, so it seems like she could have found someplace else to stay if she wanted to. She went on to say, eventually, she didn't feel safe there and told McAfee that she wanted to leave his home and the business. His activities were becoming more erratic, 
and frankly, she was getting scared. She claimed she sat down next to him to explain that she wanted to go home and leave the compound and the business. She had been crying while she and McAfee were talking, and she complained of a headache. He went to get her a couple of aspirin and some orange juice, which she drank. She then said she woke up later with him towering over her naked. She was heaving, sick, and believed she had been drugged and raped. She left the island later that day, after the world's longest, most scrubbing shower she'd ever taken, I imagine. McAfee was spending a lot of time in local bars, mingling with the local drunks and sex workers. He ditched his long-term girlfriend of 12 years and took up with a 16-year-old sex worker who later, reportedly, almost killed him when he was sleeping. His lifestyle included more and more guns, girls, drugs, and bad influences. He bragged of having seven girlfriends at once, and these women were quite open about their relationship with McAfee. They said he was quite a nice man, and he paid them well. Not all of them had sex with him, but in their young, naive manner, they spoke of his sexual fetish, scat sex. I don't want to talk about it anymore, so if you don't know what it is, take a minute to Google it. But don't say I didn't warn you that it isn't pleasant. It's even worse than pimple popping. For a long time, McAfee's behavior, strange demands, and excesses were overlooked by authorities. This was because he donated guns, ammunition, tasers, and other equipment to the local police and Coast Guard personnel. His lifestyle was getting out of control, and in 2012 he was arrested by Belize police and charged with manufacturing methamphetamine and possession of unlicensed weapons. The charges were dropped, but worse was coming. Later that same year, McAfee was being questioned about his connection in the death of his neighbor, Gregory Fall, who was an American. Greg had been found shot dead, execution style, in his home just a little way down the beach. Locals said that the day before, McAfee and Fall had a falling out over McAfee's dogs. Fall had complained to McAfee about his ten pit bulls who had been running free all over the island. Fall was a land developer and was upset because the pit bulls were scaring away tourists, potential clients, and had even bitten a few people. He went to visit McAfee, asking him to keep the dogs contained, and McAfee chased him off with threats. Fall then went to the local authorities, but realized they would do nothing because they were loyal to McAfee and liked the gifts, or maybe bribes, he had given them. It's presumed that Fall took matters into his own hands and poisoned McAfee's dogs. McAfee had to put four of them down, which he did by putting a bullet in their heads. The next day, Fall's body was found dead with a bullet in his. McAfee ran. He was able to evade arrest and flee to Guatemala, but the whole time he was running, he was also denying that he had any part in Fall's death. He explained the reason for his running was that he was being framed. He said the police wanted to kill him and suggested that whoever killed Fall had actually been targeting him. This was because he supposedly hacked the local police and government officials' computers. Not only locally, but also nationally. He claimed to have evidence of hits being ordered on the officials' enemies and competitors. He believed the Belizean government knew about this information that he had and knew they had to kill him. He also claimed that one of his many girlfriends had been hired by the government to try to kill him. 
McAfee was eventually caught and arrested by police in Guatemala. This was because he loves the spotlight. He took an interview with Vice magazine and one of the journalists shared a photo of him there. The photo still had GPS metadata embedded in it and they were quickly able to act. The police also recognized one of the hotels in the background of the photo. McAfee was taken by authorities into custody. He knew he was going to be extradited back to Belize. He was afraid to go, knowing that he would die in the jails there, so he faked a heart attack to buy himself time. This ruse actually worked, and he was instead deported back to the United States. Within a day or two of arriving in the States, he met his current wife, Janice. She was a sex worker, and her first words to him were, and I quote, you look like you need a blowjob. She goes on to say that although they had been on the run together for most of their nine years, she said she spent the first two years spying on him for the criminal underworld. She believes the cartel runs the underworld. She said she was too afraid not to listen to them and that they told her to put poison in his food and to let cartel members stay in his home while he wasn't there. She said that being in the clutches of the underworld while spying on the man she loved was a very scary situation and she feared for her family and her three children. McAfee said he didn't blame her. He told her that he had realized what was going on and knew that she was in a perilous position. He goes on to give her a lot of credit and says that she is the smartest woman he has ever met. McAfee's behavior didn't improve back in the States. In fact, he had been speaking disdainfully about the owner of his own antivirus software and the company that operates under his name. He posted a YouTube video in 2013 that talks about how to uninstall the McAfee antivirus, and it features him frolicking with barely-dressed women holding guns and snorting bath salts. Yes, you can find this video online, and you can also find a documentary that was released in 2016 called Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee. It's directed by Nanette Bernstein and covers his time in Belize in much more detail. It also talks about his multitude of girlfriends, the alleged rape of Allison, and the alleged murder plot against Gregory Fall. A judge in Miami did eventually award the Fall family $25 million in restitution, which McAfee was ordered to pay. He has avoided paying any fines that have been pressed against him from a multitude of lawsuits. He also decided that the United States, the CIA specifically, might be after him. So he hopped on his boat called the Great Mystery and sailed to the Bahamas, then Cuba, and then the Dominican Republic. He believed the authorities were trying to extradite him back to the States. He tweeted about his days at sea leading up to his detention in the Dominican Republic. He said, the CIA has attempted to collect us and we are at sea now and will report more soon. I will continue to be in the dark for the next few days. He went on to say, My crime is not filing tax returns. It's not a crime. The rest of the propaganda by the United States is just to silence me because my voice is a voice of dissent. He later tweeted that he couldn't wait to get off this godforsaken boat that lost air conditioning and water 18 hours into the trip. He said, None of us have bathed for five days. A day later, his feed was taken over by a friend because McAfee had been detained by Dominican authorities. He had too many high-caliber weapons on board. They were released from confinement after only four days. He went on to say he was treated well and his superiors were friendly and helpful, but in spite of the helpful circumstances, 
they decided to move on. In the midst of all this controversy, McAfee took the next natural step for any wealthy, white, male American with a reputation for dishonesty. He ran for president. He had an intense dislike for paying taxes, and this was one of the many reasons he was seeking the Libertarians' presidential nomination in 2016. He also stated that one of his main policies would be the widespread introduction of cryptocurrencies. He became increasingly interested in Bitcoin. The Libertarian voters placed him third, but he didn't give up. He tried again in 2020. Once again, he came in third. Clearly, someone with a dislike of taxation would get excited by cryptocurrency. His support for the technology has been often on as erratic as every other part of his life. In 2017, he asserted that Bitcoin would reach 500000 by December of 2020, and if it didn't, he would, quote, eat my dick on national television. The following year, he predicted Bitcoin to be at $1 million instead. Over the past few years, he's promoted a number of cryptocurrency projects, and now he stands accused by the SEC for failing to disclose his interest in them. In fact, he was getting paid over 100000 per tweet for promoting certain cryptocurrencies. He's also been accused of promoting a cryptocurrency and then selling his investments in that currency once he built enough momentum and they reached higher prices. Basically, it was a pump-and-dump scheme where coins were heavily promoted and sold off when the price rose as a result. Most recently, McAfee has been arrested in Spain while trying to board a flight from Barcelona to Turkey. He is being held in jail and is waiting for extradition back to the U.S. on charges of tax evasion, concealing assets, and failing to file tax returns. He will face those charges in the near future, and if convicted of all the charges he faces, he could be in jail for up to 30 years, which doesn't look good for someone who's 75 years old. He's not shy on social media, though, and still consistently posts updates from his cell where he waits extradition. He continues to be active on social media, even when in prison. He's always looking for attention. One of his posts in 2020 was a picture of him with a bruised face. He had supposedly been arrested and injured in Norway for wearing a lace thong as a mask. This was not true. He also claims to have 47 biological children. I don't know how this could be a brag. Perhaps if he could show me how he responsibly takes care of all 47, I'd be impressed. So there you have it. Scandalous John McAfee. If you want to hear more about him, you may soon have the opportunity. The word is that a movie called King of the Jungle, starring Jack Efron, is going to be released. It's directed by Glenn Ficarra and John Requa, who filmed Crazy Stupid Love. Some of you two crime lovers recently saw Zac Efron acting in the Netflix movie about Ted Bundy. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. I'm confident he's going to do a great job in the John McAfee movie, although Johnny Depp would have done a great job in this role as well. The King of the Jungle is sure to be a great movie, but just remember, you heard it here first. And no, I'm not being sponsored by them, but that would be amazing if I were. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give Twisted Travel and True Crime a nice rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. You can support this podcast by sharing it with a friend or on social media. You can also support it financially 
by giving me a one-time donation or a monthly donation. There are links in the show description that will show you what to do. Please feel free to reach out to me on Twisted Travel and True Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or you can reach us by email at twistedtravelandtruecrime at gmail.com. I have the best listeners, and to each and every one of you, I'd like to wish you fair winds and following seas.